Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Centrifuge Media's podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you listening along to some Centrifuge Media thought leadership as we explore various touch points, technologies, trends, and what's on the horizon for the larger live events industry. Before we dig into today's introductory episode, I want to make sure you're getting all the Centrifuge content you desire. So make sure you're heading to our website, centrifugemedia.com. Again, centrifugemedia.com, as well as subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full catalog of previous episodes as we fill those out. And of course, for notifications when we drop new ones. So for today's first episode of the show, we're going to be kicking things off with a full introduction to the show, to the company, but more importantly, we're wanting to communicate to you, our audience, uh, our vision for our company, as well as the role that thought leadership and important, difficult, thought-provoking discussions will have in moving not only our company forward, but the industry forward as well. And as leaders in the verticalized live events space, we couldn't have developed our portfolio of successful industry-specific projects and happy clients in our niche industries of life sciences, pharmaceuticals, and biotech industries without a real dedication to understanding the nuances of today's live events start to finish. And that's a thought leadership we're wanting to communicate through our show, but also to foster discussion around by bringing other third parties on. So as a company, we've created a company with touch points across the entire life cycle of an event, consulting on staging and event branding, developing set design, and as of late, helping launch more virtual and hybridized events. So we're going to be exploring all of those big picture trends, as well as digging into how Centrifuge Media places itself in the industry and works to deliver on quality, innovative live events for today's needs in our core industries. So for insights today, I'm very pleased to welcome the Centrifuge Media leader leadership team. We're going to go down the line. First up, we're joined by Brian Rivers, CEO of Centrifuge. Brian, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it. Psyched uh, to be here and uh, to be talking about uh, all things industry-wide and, and uh, how Centrifuge, Centrifuge sees us playing a big role in that in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a pleasure getting to uh, source your thought leadership and your just general leadership as well for our conversation today. Next up, we're joined by Steve Welch. He's Director of Creative Services for Centrifuge. Steve, welcome. How are you? Great. Thank you, Daniel. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Thank you again, Steve. And last but not least, we're joined by Mr. Jack McDonald, Director of Corporate Strategy for Centrifuge. Jack, welcome. How are you? Hey, thanks. Uh, I'm great and uh, happy to be here. Yeah, well, Brian, Steve, Jack, welcome to your podcast. Uh, again, with this uh, first episode, we're really wanting to set the tone with y'all, our leadership team, on uh, how you see this podcast being an extension of Centrifuge's vision as a company. We also want to talk big picture, too, uh, not only trends shaping the industry, but also um, big picture visions for the company, how each of your leadership roles helps define what makes Centrifuge's approach to live events unique and truly innovative in your space. So I want to start by giving our audience an understanding of the trajectory of your company. So um, I want to make sure I've got this right. You were founded in 2005. Is, is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we're pushing past 15 years now of delivering on quality live events, 
So I want to walk through the history of the company here since its birth in 2005. Uh, I'd love to hear from each of y'all on this, but what have been some of the key moments in the company's development and growth that you think have really defined your success and um, some core eras over those 15, 16 years of business? Yeah, I guess I could take that first. Uh, you know, yeah, in 2005, I mean, it was great. Uh, you know, my background was in medcom and I used to hire companies like myself. And so there was, a, I think, a need in the industry that I, I found was very important um, that was lacking. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I think some key moments for us in our historical um, vault, if you will, is, you know, we started in 2005. We all know 2008 was a, was a challenging time. Um, and I think it was also, uh, you know, the silver lining for us was really at a very earlier stage in our development, you know, knowing how to be able to adapt and pivot to things that are, you know, incoming obstacles that you may not have foreseen, right? So for us, 2008, the banking crisis and um, certainly a recession, you know, taught us a lot on how to make sure that we uh, made ourselves a little bit more uh, readily prepared to uh, pivot. And pivots become a, a pretty popular word here lately, um, as it has since 2008. So, um, you know, that that certainly helped, I think, guide us a little bit more into staying the course and what we believed was going to be really important in how we played a role into the industry and specifically what industry we're in. A lot, as you mentioned in the beginning, uh, the majority of our business is in life sciences, and that encompasses pharmaceutical and biotech. And, you know, that's a, a much needed area that we felt, uh, you know, has become our wheelhouse. And because of that, we've really gravitated from not doing so many other corporate events to more on the side of, of, of life sciences. So, you know, throughout the, the time frame, you know, we really developed, you know, a really strong uh, emphasis in just not the production and the events that you mentioned, but really the consultative um, efforts that are put into what goes into those events to make them so exciting, uh, you know, to create that experiential learning. And certainly, uh, Steve and his group, uh, from the creative perspective, you know, play a, a really important and pivotal role in that. And, you know, as we led up sort of, you know, it's a lot to cover 15 years and 16 that we're super psyched about being part of the, the most recent events, you know, the last couple of years have certainly been another big changing point for us. You know, we were needing to really figure out, take some lessons maybe we've learned, uh, from the past about how pivoting is so important and the adaptability. And uh, apply that to, you know, 2020, March 13th was our date for, uh, you know, when things really kind of went a little bit south. And, uh, you know, so super, super proud of my team, super proud of the company. I think we have a lot of resiliency. And uh, like I said, from a technological standpoint, I could speak for hours about what kind of advancements we felt like we made. Uh, but I think some of the key points uh, throughout the company have been uh you know, some of those unfortunate incidences uh, within our environment that allowed us to uh, be more expansive on creativity and how we're going to be able to capitalize on the new environment of that time and then how we can actually build upon that in the future. And, you know, I think the other thing that's a really important aspect is just the tenure, uh, which kind of leads in, in, into Jack as well. I mean, Jack, you know, been with the company for 10, almost 10 years. I have a habit of rounding up 11. You're rounding down. It's been I'm more than down. 10. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, you know, I, I've seen a lot of changes, Jack. I, I'm sure that you've got some that maybe stick out to you uh, in the, the 11 years, sorry, that you've been on board. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Brian was talking about, you know, a lot of these uh, 
I'll say external kind of macro, um, you know, circumstances that um, have been, you know, very key points in, in kind of the evolution of, of Centrifuge. But there's also, you know, incremental ones along the way. Um, you know, when I started here, we were much more, uh, I would say, you know, AV focused. Uh, and it, it was really primarily an AV company with, uh, I would say, superior creative um, skills. And, and um, I, I think, you know, we, we had a lot of talent and a lot of, uh, you know, people that were willing to think outside of the box and, and use that creativity in, in ways that added value to clients. And, um, you know, we've recognized that and been able to capture that through hiring, through training, um, through all of those kind of things. And then, you know, kind of micro circumstances, I would say, is, you know, we've been challenged by a client, um, you know, to approach something from a different way or, um, you know, recognize something that that would be a great thing to to pitch out there to clients and, and um, improve their experience. Um, and honestly, uh, you know, we've we've had, uh, you know, clients ask us to do stuff and, and it may not have exactly been, you know, part of our our toolkit, you know, prior to that day. But, um, you know, we're really good at, at figuring it out. And, and that kind of adaptability um, that's so important for cases like recessions and COVID and, and those kind of, you know, global trends um, are really important every day. Um, you know, we we don't have a commodity here. It's a, a service. It's highly customized. Um, you know, no two events are alike. No two projects are alike. And, um, you know, that that ability to adapt along the way, um, you know, on an individual level and a company level, uh, you know, we've really seen that grow into all these new capabilities, all these new services. And, um, you know, that looking at where we are today versus the day I walked in the door, um, you know, it's, it's really, uh, it's kind of, you know, funny to sit back and, and, um, and think about some of the things that, that were head scratchers in 2011 that, that now, um, you know, are, are so basic to us. All right. I want to dig into uh, some of y'all's specific roles as leaders at the company and use that sort of as, as framing. And, um, you know, I'm happy to hear from everyone, even as we dig into each of your roles. But again, using this as framing to better understand how Centrifuge approaches it, its work and how each of your individual approaches to your roles uh, elevates that work. So, I want to start with Brian, again, CEO of the company. Um, Brian, can you tell us a bit about how you approach leading a company like Centrifuge that has such a both consultative as well as a creative set of services, right? What what makes heading the ship as CEO unique uh, with your clients as industries as context, but also the sort of varied layers of solutions and consultation that you have to give to your clients? Yeah, uh, it's a good question, a loaded question too, which is which is nice. Um, I, I think that you know, it's a village. So you know, for me, you know, we're only as strong as our, our team is, and collectively, uh, I, I feel it's really important to make sure that we we fill the gaps. You know, we all know where I think some of our strengths are, and I think we also know where we 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 lack some some strength and ability. But we certainly have each other to kind of count on the the, the different variety of talent and skill sets that are needed to get us to a certain area um, and, and certainly to elevate ourselves continually each year. So um, for one, I think specifically with the leadership, uh, it, it, like I said, I, it, it, it's a great team around me, you know, making sure that we have the right folks 
uh, first and foremost, as I mentioned. And then I think secondly, you know, it, it's not always easy um, to, to, to be in this environment, and, let alone in 2008. Um, you know, as you're growing, you know, I think one of the things that's been maybe the biggest challenge is uh, we, we experienced a lot of growth uh, between 2008 to, you know, COVID uh, to 2019 uh, or 2020 rather. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, really getting the right sort of uh, individual that has that adaptability and the persistence and, and the creativity and, and, and teamwork. And I could go on and on, but we're a very collaborative group. And it's so important to have that. And I think that the acknowledgement that your colleagues, although, you know, Steve will always say everyone's creative and you don't have to be in the creative department to come up with an idea that might spark something else. And, and I think that's really uh, it, it's an understated uh, comment that really sort of resides very well within the company. I think people, you know, they want to be a part of something that's new and creative and, and that's exciting. But it also takes a certain type of person to also have the adaptability to know change is inevitable. Um, as growth comes along, sometimes people, you know, we, they, they joined us in maybe, a, you know, a five, six year Jack, right? Or whatever. And the next thing you know, you know, we're now brought us to a level that never changed. We always wanted to get elevated to a certain perspective or, you know, level in the, in the industry. Um, and, and who we were dealing with with clients have never changed. But I think the ability to know that change is inevitable and this is not a company that I would say, and I think leadership would agree, is, you know, like a micromanaging company. You know, I think, you know, if you've got the skill sets, we want you to be here. We don't want you to, t we don't want to tell you how to do your job. We're hiring you to help us do ours better. You know, so being a part of that, it's a puzzle. It all goes together. And uh, it, it's it's something that's really awesome when it when all the pieces go together. So um, I'll say that, you know, that that's certainly been something that, you know, has been a little bit of a, um, a not, I wouldn't say as, as a challenge as much as just making sure that we have the right people in place. Um, and then I think ultimately when it, what that means to the client perspective is we've adapted, you know, to our clients needs as much as they've needed to adapt to what we're able to provide. So, you know, there's a lot of changing that's going on in the industry. And certainly from a life sciences perspective, you know, clients are always wanting the interactivity. How do we have experiential learning? You know, patient centricity is coming around. Employee centricity is coming around. So being able to encapsulate those all into one experience, whether it's going to be something remote uh, that Steve and his group have created that have nothing to do with events, or whether it's us, you know, setting up a a brainstorm or a discovery session about how we're going to create the most impactful event possible. Um, you know, that, that stuff is something we want to continually bring to our clients. I think, again, the historical aspect of how we lead ourselves and specifically how we lead where we're going to go in the future um, is really dependent upon, you know, how we work together and collaborate with our clients. I mean, it's important for us to get back as much information from them uh, as it is for what we know we can do for them. So if that makes any sense at all, I think it's a, it's a two-way street. And I think ultimately what we're looking at doing in the future, um, certainly leading um, Centrifuge in with new clients and new partners is really seeing Centrifuge as a whole. I mean, it, it's, it's an agency that's focused on a bigger picture, the endpoints in between events, um, you know, how the communication is sustainable from a pre-perspective and a post-perspective of an event. And, uh, you know, there's just some really key elements. And, and that's what we're, you know, really kind of focused on right now. 
And, you know, we've continually just stayed the course. It's another thing that I like to say every meeting that we have is just stay in the course. And sometimes it might be duck on a pond, you know, a little bit underneath the water, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of strokes underneath the water. But as long as we're smooth gliding on the top, I think we'll be all right. Steve, let's pivot over to you now then. Um, with all of that context in mind, uh, let's dig in a little bit to some of the innovation happening uh, in the creative services uh, that your company offers. So where in the life cycle of an event has Centrifuge been innovating? And uh, have you specifically in your leadership role been innovating around creative design, creative strategies, and the content itself and how do you find that a creative approach to the entire event helps create better more tangible positive outcomes as well right um well i think it's you know it's a little it's a little bit of of everything um i think brian already alluded to it but everyone everyone at this organization has a strategic mindset and um even beyond the visual you know uh, uh designing for that, that visual impact, um, using our creativity to structure things like agendas so they're more impactful or to create content that's much more interesting, even if it's very didactic content. Um, we found uh, a, a lot of things that, uh, that worked in a live setting would not work in a virtual setting. So for example, um, prior to the, uh, the change uh, shifting to, to virtual, we had we had uh, talked about the the TED Talk philosophy with our clients for years, um, getting them to understand the importance of shorter uh, shorter uh, speeches, um, keeping people engaged, uh, not having uh, presentation decks that were loaded full of data whenever possible. Um, so when we when we shifted to virtual, um, it became even more important to, 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 to make things a little bit more concise and uh, to, to maximize the, the learning potential. Um, so, uh, you know, our, our, our organization, as Jack mentioned, started primarily as an AV company, and now we've, we've, we've matured into a full-service creative agency. Um, so all of the traditional services that we've offered, like design, multimedia, you know, multimedia production, video production, uh, motion graphics, 3D animation, all of those, all of those pieces were in place. But now when we shifted to virtual, it's like, you know, we're, 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 we're taking those same principles and we're, we're applying them differently with, with different, uh, different methods, different tools. So um, some of the ways we've innovated, one example would be um, taking something that's very familiar to our clients um, which would be something like a poster session where scientific or R&D information is presented in a, in a, in a physical space and people, they, you know, they, uh, the audience moves around the room. They, they have a chance to study the posters and interact with the, uh, the, the, the scientists that have, have created these posters and have those conversations. Um, we were actually able to take that real life experience and make it a digital experience by creating a 360 environment that, that looked very realistic and very much like a poster session that would that would take place in a uh, maybe, a, you know, a hotel space. Um, we were able to, um, you know, give the user the ability to move around the space and interact with posters to to listen to videos of of scientists presenting on their poster to submit questions 
to the scientists to um, to to inquire about uh, uh, different things. Um, so, you know, there's limitations um, early on. Like, how in the world are we going to recreate a live event in this you know this postage stamp size view, view that we have now on our in our, in our browser? Uh, but we've really maximized that impact. So, you know, I could talk on and on about how we've how we've innovated and. It's, it's really a question of, um, you know, how we've how we've responded and how we've how we've maximized the tools that we're still like, you know, all these platforms that we're now used to using. Um, all of those things were, you know, not that familiar to a lot of our clients. So it was OK. Now we've got to educate. Um, we've got to give some technical training and now we've got to we've got to almost get people to understand how far we can take this. And uh, we've done some unbelievably cool things with, uh, with virtual events, things like, um, uh, you know, online demos, uh, 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 social hours, which, you know, this kind of, this kind of went away because they got old, but uh, bringing people together with interactive cooking demonstrations with a professional chef that comes in and you, you know, you have groups that come in and, and they cook together uh, everybody in their own remote location. So, Lots of uh, lots of cool things that, uh, you know, we, we've done. We're now shifting back into live, but we're going to be taking a lot of these things with us as we move back into live and uh, looking forward to see how we can apply some of the things that we we used out of necessity in, in, in the live in the live world. And I, I'll, I'll finish by saying we were doing virtual before we had to. There were many, many years ago when we had to connect people remotely, not because of a not because of a virus, but because of some other challenge. Um, we were doing remote broadcasts uh, for 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 many years before this happened. So we kind of had a kind of had an advantage going in and being able to provide broadcasting principles to these virtual uh, these virtual meetings has really given us an edge. And we'll follow up on that shift virtual and hybridized events uh, here a little later because I have a feeling that's going to define a lot of the future of the work that y'all do. Uh, and so got to dig into your takes on how you see that playing into the broader live event space. Let's pivot over to Jack now uh, to pull from some of his experience as director of corporate strategy. So, Jack, how has uh, Centrifuge approached its outreach to your core industries, which, again, are life sciences, pharma and biotech? Uh, how have you approached that outreach to develop healthy client relationships and also to place yourselves as a B2B partner for these companies, not just as a solutions provider, right, as a transactional means to an end? Yeah, that's a great question. The, you know, the partner, the word in their partner is, you know, very important to us because frankly, if you just need some AV equipment or someone to, to touch up a PowerPoint deck or something, there's other options out there. And, you know, I mentioned the word commodity earlier. They're easy to come by and they're inexpensive to come by. And where our clients see value in partnering with us um, is our expertise in this field. Um, there's a lot of nuance. Um, in that, that environment, there is um, uh, regulatory constraints uh, around, um, you know, what can be said, you know, the, the way that events and, and projects are approached um, that other industries don't necessarily, um, you know, have to abide by. Um, you know, knowing that, that environment and having that shorthand with client, uh, clients saves a lot of time. 
Um, you know, it, it, it helps us come to the table with more valuable ideas for them um, when you don't have to start from scratch or explain why something can't be done, um, you know, to a different agency. Um, I, I remember, you know, when I interviewed here, um, you know, they said, you know, this is, this is our clientele and with no prior knowledge really of, of the, the need for events in there, I, you know, I was kind of thinking, there's enough of that, that, that needs to be done that, you know, this, that's that the company can, can specialize in. And, you know, it didn't take me long to understand why, um, you know, even back then as more of an AV provider, there's, there's, you know, a lot of nuance that goes into what matters to these uh, companies, what matters to their patients, what matters to stakeholders at um, every level. And, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot, um, there's a lot of good that comes from specializing in something and um, every new hire that we have comes in and says like, why are, why are we not chasing, you know, X, Y, and Z tech company or, uh, you know, tire manufacturer or, or whatever. And th there's a point to that, you know, casting a, a wide net um, is not a bad idea, uh, you know, in a vacuum, but because of our expertise, um, we're able to go, you know, very deep um, with a, a, a pretty big and frankly impressive uh, roster list. Uh, or client roster inside of, of the vertical that, that we've chosen. And, uh, you know, it, it allows us to be, um, you know, a different kind of partner and, and you know, someone, someone that's a, a lot more consultative um, than, a, you know, a, just an order taker vendor. Um, and clients see a lot of value in that. Any other thoughts from the team there, Brian, uh, you know, how you see um, a leadership approach for the entire company defining, the way that you uh, approach your relationships and partnerships with your clients or uh, Steve on your end, how you see this emphasis on a partnership with your clients, uh, elevating the quality and the breadth of creativity that can be offered in those partnerships. Thoughts there. So I think Jack covered it really well with the consultative and partnership uh, to, to add a little bit to that is I think they go together at that point. And for us to continue to build healthy relationships with our clients, we want to make sure that they understand that it's it's super important for us in that partnership to make sure that we understand exactly what their expectations are, you know, to keep that continual relationship throughout the year. It's not a, a, a sort of a one hit wonder uh, of an event or a project. And then all of a sudden they move on to something else. And we see a lot of the companies, you know, wanting to come back to us because of the tenure um, that they've had with our company, understanding, you know, a little bit more about their perspective and what their KPIs and their goals are helping them achieve them and ultimately making sure that we're able to bring new uh, nuances to them uh, within the industry and certainly innovative ideas that are going to be helpful to help them achieve those goals. So Steve, I don't know if I missed something you want to add in there. No, I think, I think all that is uh, spot on. I think that, you know, one of the things that, one of the things about um, the challenges of producing events, continuing to produce events in a virtual setting has been we've been able to um, we've been able to be probably more creative than we were in the past. And I think clients are also beginning to accept uh, things that are a little bit more out of the box. So I think that's uh, that's been one of the one of the big one of the big benefits. You know, we're probably not as afraid now to take a little more risk uh, with uh, the way we approach uh, approach things creatively during dur during meetings. So hopefully that continues uh, as we move back into uh, into live. 
All right. I appreciate all of you giving us that detailed breakdown of your approaches to leadership at the company. I want to now take all that, synthesize it down into um, some more, I guess, approaches to your work as a whole. So I'm curious how you see all of these approaches to um, live events for your core industries, um, how these have given you a unique view of your industry and of your clients' industries, especially around how to craft uh, positive community building, um, successful external communications, right? Some of the sort of domino effects, the bigger picture aspects of what it means to deliver a quality live event, uh, communicating your brand well, building that resilient community of partners, clients that, um, you know, feels trust in, in these companies and their endeavors, right? How do you feel that like your work has given you a unique view on those things? Well, you know, I think I, I kind of mentioned, you know, how I I walked in um, a little naive about, um, you know, the the whole industry, um, and I have certainly over the past decade, you know, learned a lot about, uh, you know, what matters um, to to pharma companies and and um, you know the the business outcomes that they are looking for from these events, and uh, you know, we have data on that. We we understand. Um, you know, what they are trying to achieve, why it matters to them, um, you know, why spending the, the money on these events is, is worth it. Um, you know, over the, the, the past couple of years, we've heard, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, these virtual things are great because they're going to, um, you know, eliminate a lot of cost for, for events. And um, that sentiment lasted three months, maybe. And, you know, people people started realizing all the, all the value that, that comes from, um, you know, these face-to-face -face interactions and, and the, I, I guess you say kind of the traditional way of, of doing things. Um, but I think, you know, our understanding of what matters um, to, to our clients and um, our understanding of, um, you know, how they make money, they're, they're a business and, and, and what it is they're trying to achieve and, and, um, everyone that's affected, you know, through that process and, and how they're affected, um, you know, has, has, you know, really, really made us a great partner. And part of being a great partner is delivering great outcomes. Um, so, you know, it's kind of cyclical where, you know, the, the, the more we do, the more we understand and, you know, the greater solutions uh, we're providing to people. No, I, I think, um, yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of things to Jack's point that are cyclical, but I do think that, um, you know, continually being innovative for clients. And, you know, Jack mentioned research uh, and, and you know, that we spend a lot of time trying to figure out exactly what our clients are, are trying to accomplish. Uh, and I think that's a big part of it too, is that, you know, we're, we're really trying to get a better understanding about, you know, not just, you know, yes, we understand it's important in the life sciences industry for a pharma company to write more scripts, you know, so how do we get folks to, to get there, right? To get, feel more motivated, to go out, to be more educated, um, you know, that, that's super important. But I think the other thing that we've realized, certainly over COVID that I think is valid in mentioning is it's great with so much technology that's at our disposal. And I think before COVID, everyone wanted technology, technology, technology. We were doing holograms, we were doing, and it was great. Um, but one of the things that maybe is just a little bit apropos uh, right now is we've also seen that there's a really big need for, you know, that in-person experience. And, you know, we talk about 
why that's important. And I think it's really around, you know, best practices. I mean, Jack was mentioning that, you know, in certain verticals and certainly in ours, there's things that, you know, need to be spoken about in a room that they can have an open, honest dialogue about. And, you know, learning best practices from one another, certainly their managers or teammates, and to be able to mentor others is something that is really, really important. So for us to seek ways on how we can help that part of the equation is really, really important. So creating the events, you know, going through this, you know, uh, discovery period of what's going to happen before the event, what's going to happen after. And then we've got the big, you know, the big events, right? And we love the the TED Talk philosophies. We love how we can have people be more interactive with the, with the presenters. Let's get them to be more uh, concise, you know, use narratives uh, that are being directed by, you know, basic visuals that are going to be powerful or I'm sorry, uh, be very powerful. Um, but with all that, it, it really enables us to look at, great, we've got that covered, but there's these other parts that are really important. And that's the experiential learning, the best practices and focusing on those key elements are also really, really important. And, and I like that we continually try to make that something that is, is equal of importance uh, as the main, the main session or the main, you know, presentations that are being provided. Yeah. Just to, to add, um, to one of the things Brian was mentioning or mentioning earlier, we had a, we had a virtual event, uh, that we, we hosted here at our studios, um, last week. And, um, this group, they had, they had their, they had a virtual meeting last year. They thought this year they were going to be in person. Of course, things changed back to virtual, and one of the things that the uh, I believe is the president he was he was addressing um, addressing the group, and one of the things that stood out to me was you know one of the things that he missed that others missed was it was being able to hug someone or being able to have a side conversation after a session and catch up with someone, and so those are some things that have been missed for now going on twenty plus months. Um, that I know people are really looking forward to, to you know, to, they're looking forward to getting back with one another. And, um, you know, you, you couple that with the amount of time that's transitioned and the number of new people that are involved in organizations that some people have never met in person. So, um, so anyway, I thought I, I thought I would add that to, to, to what Brian was mentioning earlier about those those things that are lost um, that uh, that that. You know, people will people really desire to have that 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 live interaction, and uh, and we're we're ready for them. All right, y'all. I feel like we've got a, a great breakdown of Centrifuge Media's approach to live events, how you center building those positive partnerships, delivering on creative strategies. What I want to do now is take all of that and apply it specifically to the podcast and give our audience some. Um, some teasers for what they can expect as they continue to follow our thought leadership journey. So let's just open it up to the three of y'all. What do you hope to explore on this podcast with some of the following episodes, right? Some of the main topics, the themes, maybe some of the specific people that you want to speak with or speak on uh, on the podcast. What are your thoughts? I, I can tell you something I'm excited about um, that you alluded to in the question a little bit is um, there is so much that that happens here that's so important for our clients that um, they don't necessarily uh, get access to or you know need access on a, on a day to day basis to, and um, you know there there are a lot of people here that that do very important things and and people don't realize that 
their event would either not happen or it would happen at a, at a much lower level um, without a, a lot of the effort that goes on here day to day. And um, some of those things aren't necessarily, um, you know, flashy enough for, for a pitch or, or um, some kind of, you know, highlight video or something that, that we would send out, at, you know, to, to clients. But um, it is really important. And we hear back all the time, uh, we like working with you because you execute so well. You know, your project management is, is exceptional. And um, this, I hope, is an opportunity to dive into some of that stuff and, you know, explore some of those topics um, that are definitely not boring, but don't have a, a, a necessarily a role in a, in a pitch and, and um, you know, aren't things that, that necessarily get talked about, you know, with, with clients and, um, you know, the, the general public. And, and I, I hope this is an opportunity to highlight some of those things and, um, you know, show, frankly, show off, you know, uh, you know, some of the, the talent that, that we have here and, and, uh, and um, some things that people don't always see from the outside looking in. Some of the things that people can expect um, in, I think, in our, our podcast uh, in the near future are what other people uh, in in this industry are are how they're preparing. You know um, uh, what uh, what live looks like to them, and you know when that's going to happen. Um, you know we want to talk to the folks within the industry um, to see what they're doing, and uh, you know we thought we would we thought we would be back months ago and we're still here and and uh, i think everybody kind of has the same question is like when's that right when's the right time yeah and to sort of dovetail off of steve i, I agree i mean I, i'm excited i'm looking forward to being able to discuss a variety of topics i mean i think jack hit on some of the ones that you know are a little bit more behind the scenes that we can you know talk about all day that we know how important they are to the success of every single event that we do uh but also you know really looking forward to just kind of being that beacon for, you know, where, where we're headed and what we're doing. Um, you know, one of the things I think we're able to really share with clients that, you know, being so I'd say specific in our vertical is we have access to a lot of, a lot of the industry folks that, you know, whether they're, you know, complementary to their services or their competitors or whatever, you know, the, the companies are to each other working with those different companies, you know, it allows us to also be able to share our own best practices on what is working with those clients to help them achieve their goals. And certainly now that we're into COVID, why that's so relatable and really so important is we're constantly being asked, I know Jack and Steve and I've all been asked, you know, well, what are your other clients doing? You know, and, and you know, what, are, so, you know, although we, we understand, you know, the virtual environment, there's going to be an element that may exist, the reality is for us, uh, human interaction, and maybe that's great for humanity, has never been more important or desired than it is now. So, uh, you know, I, I think that we've all talked a little bit about what's so important um, for us when we see us going back to live events, um, what's so important for us as a consultative uh, company that's going to help guide folks into, you know, the next phases of their own growth and development. Uh, which, which is very exciting, but I think you can look to see a lot more uh, open, candid uh, discussions that are going to be things that we probably wouldn't pitch on, uh, to be quite honest, and, you know, and have a good time doing it. I mean, there's a lot of great, talented folks in this company. I'm excited to hear about uh, some of their own perspectives, 
you know, which is great. I always learn something. I think we all do. Uh, we've gotten, you know, learn a little bit more about each other during the last, you know, 18 to 20 months. And I think we're going to continue to do so. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I think we have a lot of great things to come up ahead. Now, I'm sure that we're going to be hearing from some third party perspectives on the podcast as well, bringing on some, you know, some other clients of yours or potentially colleagues in the industry. I'm curious what sort of voices and perspectives you're hoping to highlight with further discussion on the podcast and why, right? What are some of those core voices and perspectives that you think we really need to be hearing for the industry today? Yeah, I think shared knowledge is super important. And I, and I mm-hmm. think that that's something that people are doing now more than ever because they are remote, right? So this is this is our means of communication. And I think, you know, we've never found ourselves in this situation before uh, as a society, uh, you know, to be through such a pandemic, you know, uh, that we've gone into a lockdown and, and what have you. So I think the perspective of clients that I, I would like to hear too is, you know, what, what has changed about their jobs? We understand that we don't have any events that are going on live. We're certainly doing uh, a fair amount of creative and things of that. But how is that being affected, right? And we've heard everything from you know, there's so much going through the FDA that there's been stalls of you know different things being approved. Jack and I were talking about some of those this morning. Um, so you know, I think it would be of, of great value for folks to understand you know what's the what what's going on in their world. It's in our same industry in the same vertical, but they've got different challenges than we do, you know, whether it's bringing reps back to the field or whatever. So we want to make this as engaging as possible. We want to make sure that we understand, you know, there's unfortunately been a great deal of turnover for a lot of companies. Right. So with that, you know, it's it's super important to make sure that we find ways that, you know, we understand. I should say we should get the, the information from them so that we can find new innovative ways um, for as long as that we're in this period for them to be as effective communicating with those new hires, um, you know, and as Jack alluded to, a lot of these folks in a 24 month time period, and they may have gotten hired, there was a national sales meeting or what there, whatever there was, and they haven't seen each other. So, um, you know, hearing maybe from some reps too, and what their perspective is of not, you know, joining a company and, and not being a part of it. What would they like to see um, and get out of it from a learning perspective in the future? You know, when they are able to meet, you know, what do they envision these things, uh, you know, looking like when we get back to these breakout sessions and these experiential learning. So, you know, I think some of the guests we want to hear from are certainly people that are on the commercial side of things, the R&D, the clinical, and and, and really getting down to the, the boots on the on the ground, you know, which are the sales reps. And that's really who we're tailoring a lot of these uh, meetings for and to. So um, I'm excited to hear the different perspectives. I think it's something that not only, you know, do we gain info from uh, and gain some key knowledge points, but I think it's great for our clients to hear from other folks, you know, and like I said, we always hear, you know, what are other people doing? So, well, we want to make sure that we can bring some folks on to make this interesting enough that we can all gain a little bit more perspective on what they are doing. So. And I think it's uh, it's very important to, to highlight those client perspectives, but um, you know, from where we sit, um, you know, that, that, that life sciences industry is, is so important, but then there's this whole other side. Um, there's a production side and a creative side to, to what we do. And we have a lot of, you know, great partnerships and, and, um, you know, friends throughout the, the industry on that side of things that, uh, are, are really top of their field. Um, you know, are, 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 you know, world-class experts in, in those fields. And, and, um, we learn, uh, new stuff from them every day. And, and uh, uh, I look forward to hearing some perspectives about, uh, 
you know, how some of these solutions are, are executed and, and um, you know, some, some approaches uh, to, to the work that we do, um, not just the, the, the folks that we serve. And with that in mind, let's go ahead and wrap this introductory episode with some of those timely trends, technologies, and shakeups to the industry over the last 18 months that are redefining some of the work for your industries and really just the work of live events professionals in general. So that timely note, again, one of the biggest topics still shaping the event production industry is COVID. Kind of hard to avoid. Uh, and there is a you know, a possible return in mass to in-person meetings, uh, whether that's at a micro level, right, of just offices completely opening back up and ditching a, a remote or hybridized workflow, but also the larger in-person connections with an industry like in-person trade shows, which we have been seeing more of lately. Uh, major shows like Infocom in uh, the pro AV industry is kicking off here soon. Um, and those trade shows are still trying to balance some level of virtual communication too. A lot of the shows that have been happening over the last several weeks have had some level of a, a hybridized approach to connecting folks from their home to the keynote speeches and to the larger thought leadership happening there. So how do you see this sort of unformed trend that isn't super clear how it's going to play out, right? Is it going to just go back to normal? Will we see hybridized persist? Are trade shows kind of, uh, you know, defunct in some industries? Yes, no, why or why not, right? Like those discussions are happening in real time. So I'd like to give you all the opportunity to toss your, uh, you know, expertise and two cents into that discussion. How do you see this trend impacting Centrifuge's work moving forward? And where do you land on um, how you think this remote, in-person, hybridized mix is going to play out for uh, in-person events? I'll say that I think part of the answer was in your own question, to be honest with you. Um, you Love know, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's it, you've got options, right? And I think that's the most important thing is that folks have options, you know. And um, what what we, I think we see, and I certainly want to get Steve's perspective as well as Jackson. You know, I, I I really feel like I have not heard one client that's been like, we have no desire to go back to live meetings, you know. <laughs> and so maybe we're not maybe we're not dealing with those people. I don't know, but. Um, we deal with a lot of clients and, you know, like I said, as eager as they are to understand what everyone else is doing, they're also saying like, we just got to get back to doing live events. I do understand there'll be a component. I think we all understand that. And, uh, Steve mentioned it before. It's actually always existed. You know, there's always been that option there. Uh, a lot of international people, they, you know, some companies didn't have the ability or didn't really want to take them out of their workspace, you know, fly them across the country or fly them across, you know, the globe to an attend event that they could easily attend maybe a day or two of virtually. So keeping that in mind, we understand that's there. I think for us, what it's going to impact is the fact that we just have to do our best job at educating folks at what are your best options and, you know, where we can go from there is really up to what their you know, expectations are. So that that's kind of my take on it, but. Yeah. And just, to, just to add to that, I mean, you, you were, you, you read my mind because a large part of what you, a large part of what you said, Brian, is what I was thinking, too, is that we, we do have a lot of international clients. I think that, you know, the way we've had to work for the last several months is going to make it easier for folks that maybe can't travel internationally to be part of a meeting where, you know, I think this hybrid uh, solution is going to be around for for a while and maybe not because 
we have to, but because we can. Yep, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, earlier thinking back on, on some of my answers, um, you know, I, I might have sounded like a, you know, I was kind of uh, old fogey and, and mad that, that things had, had changed a little bit. Um, and, you know, it has been a big adjustment for us, but um, it, it's, it's not all bad. Um, there's a, a lot of a lot of cool stuff that we've learned and the industry's learned and clients have learned. And, um, you know, like these guys have mentioned, I, I think a lot of that's going to be very relevant, you know, going forward. And um, the, the the difference, hopefully, is, you know, as a society, you know, we get our, our feet under us a little bit better and, and you know, can make more plans. Um, you know, the, the past uh, 18 months have been rough because it, it's been very difficult to, to plan anything. And, um, you know, that that's been um, at, at sometimes, uh, you know, an advantage for us because we are um, so easily adaptable, you know, to, to changing circumstances. But, um, you know, I, I think st- strategically planning these things out with, with clients, a lot of these new tools um, are going to be very, very useful. And, you know, th- there's, there's going to be ways to engage people on a much larger scale. Um, than what everyone was accustomed to, um, you know, prior to 2020. Yeah, and I'll add in as well. I think and another component that's really important. We, you know, we talk about, you know, the last 20 months and and what we've done, and we've all, all three of us have said that there's things we know we can take with us. Um, but the cool thing that you know we don't want that to be lost. That, that that's the most important thing. Because I think when I've spoken with clients recently, it's almost like, all right, well, now we're going to have to think about reshifting completely, sort of, because there's some stylistic approaches that these folks have been really, I'd say, almost sort of forced to go into. And an example would be the TED Talk sort of philosophy, right? You're condensed, you're condensing, you know, into a, a 45 minute presentation that may be live down into like 20 minutes. Why? Because we realize that the tension and focus of people are gone after that. So, you know, we really kind of went down this path of stylistically saying you need to do things different because virtually people don't get it as much. Right. And not get it, but it's it, it's tiresome. Um, and the other part of that is not only is it tiresome, but when you go back to live events, I don't really think it's any different. Like now that you know, you can condense what you need into 20, 20 minutes, we can really put together a crazy impactful session, you know, into like an hour and a half when before it was three hours of di- of a didactic lecture with, you know, a lot of racetrack slides and things that just were very, you know, complicated. And so I think that stylistic approach too is also very exciting. So we've got a lot of tools, but I think people have also learned to, I'd say, perform a little bit differently. And, and I like that a lot. And I think it's going to be really cool. It's going to be very beneficial and I think that that's another aspect that, again, we talk about all the things that have been created and the innovativeness behind that. But I really applaud a lot of the folks that we've been working with to learn to do things a little bit out of outside the box, feel a little bit uncomfortable, embrace it, be behind a camera. You know, I, I speak your coach and I can tell you the people I've seen on stage that are fantastic and they get behind a camera and they're just locked. And then it goes vice versa. Right. So I think we've got a lot of great things that we're going to be able to bring to the table from an innovative, a creative standpoint, but also the stylistic approach is going to be very different. And I'm, I'm mostly excited about that, to be quite honest. Specifically uh, around virtual events, where would you say Centrifuge is innovating in this space, right? And how are you finding ways to make it so that the virtual event um, 
has those optional connections, right? Like how can a virtual event uh, not only support an in-person alternative or parallel, um, but how does it play into a larger strategy for community building and for external communications? And how is Centrifuge innovating in those spaces? I'll, uh, I'll start. Um, I think one example is um, it really kind of starts with our own studios here, right? So we we have developed uh, essentially three studios within our, our location here with control rooms and, you know, green screen um, studios. Well, we can also create that at locations, uh, our clients' location, or maybe it's at an event where, you know, we have to, we have to have some level of broadcasting. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's one example of, of some of the things that we'll be taking with us. And, you know, at, at a production level, um, you know, something that we have really preached here um, since day one of all of this is, um, you know, because we are the, the experts um, and, and, and we know how to, how to do all this and, and the presenters, you know, are not necessarily, um, you know, tech experts. And, and uh, we have preached here to make things very complex on our end so that it makes it very simple on the presenters end. And, you know, we did that long before, um, you know, the pandemic, um, you know, everything that we can do to minimize distractions, minimize responsibilities other than communicating the message that they're there for. Um, and some of it I, I, I won't really hand out here for competitive reasons, but we have uh we have a number of, of solutions in place, you know, behind the scenes that, um, you know, I'm pretty in touch with the industry and, and other people that are doing other things and, and nobody does it uh, the, the way that we do. And, you know, when I have, you know, freelancers and, and people that, that I talk to and explain it or, or they're here and see it firsthand, you know, their, their minds are blown. It's, it's more complex than what other people are doing, but it's a superior uh, solution on, on the client end. And um, so, you know, I'm really proud of, of that kind of innovation. And, you know, it came from a lot of uh, a lot of toil and, and late nights and weekends and, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, doing, doing a lot of hard work that uh, that maybe wasn't even necessary. And it's, uh, you know, speaks to the caliber of, of people here. Um, they wanted to do it because they want to be better. And, um, you know, that 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 kind of innovation um, that, that we brought forth has has you know, provide a lot of value to, to clients and, and uh, is something that, that I'm really proud of. And let's go ahead and wrap this up by bringing it back around to the podcast specifically. But where do you think this trend around virtual events needs some thought leadership to steady the course, right? And to find a, uh, a useful way to integrate hybridized and virtual events in a sustainable right, way, right? And uh, how do you see this podcast being part of steadying that course? Um, well, you know, one thing that that was apparent, you know, very early on and has improved a, a, a little bit, but not nearly enough is um, kind of a shorthand for, uh, you know, standards and, and um, expectations uh, of events. Everyone, at least in our world, tried to shift over, you know, face to face solutions to a virtual problem, you know, at, at the at the very beginning of, of this thing. It's been, you know, a very difficult road um, to to educate uh, on the differences and 
frankly, the cost of some of those differences and, you know, the, the realities of, of what the expectations of an event um, should be, you know, good or bad. So, you know, that that's something that hopefully this podcast provides, um, you know, out to the, the, the clients that we serve in the industry as a whole is, um, you know, some of that, you know, establishing, establishing, a, a, again, a shorthand, you know, three years ago, we all knew exactly what it meant to do, you know, X style of meeting. And, um, you know, now all these new terms are in place and new tools and technologies and approaches and, and uh, you know, industry jargon is, is kind of all over the place. And uh, I would like for us to play a part in, in standardizing some of that and, um, and, and making these things, you know, more of a, a common language, you know, among, you know, everyone involved. Yeah. And I, I would, I would add that, I would like for, you know, I'd like for our, our customers to know that when they work with us, they, they always have a contingency plan. And what I mean by that is we've had a lot of things happen this fall where we've had to make changes immediately and shift to, you know, shift from a hybrid or live meeting back to virtual. And, um, and we were able to do that with great success. And I think that's one of the big things that are on meeting planners' minds right now is like what happens if we can't move, keep moving forward with the original plan? Well, we're used to changing things quickly, last minute. I mean, even before that, all of this. So, uh, um, so we, you know, we can, uh, we can make things happen. Yeah. And I can say that, you know, from a virtual meeting, uh, what's missing or, you know, what can be more standardized and improved on, I, I think we're, we're always going to have the, the technical challenges of not being able to make sure people's internet's solid, you know, that they're doing everything they need to do. And it's hard because, you know, it's, um, it, it, there's a lot of different multi-platforms. There's different, you know, there's so many different, there's Zoom, there's WebEx, there's all these other things and, and they're all changing. Right. So I, I think that that, that, that's a challenge in itself. Um, which is going to be something that we'll see. But one of the things I think will be really important um, outside of the technology part and something that you know, Steve, you're saying what you'd like our customers to sort of leave with uh, is I, I would like for you know us to be able to let our clients know as we were adaptive to being able to say, if it's going to have to change last minute, we can make it happen in a virtual setting the planning process for us doesn't change at all. It's equally important to make sure that we develop the proper show flow. It's equally important to make sure that we do have that rehearsal time. So some of the things that we, we lost, I think in this is that, you know, you're not able, and, and I don't want to say that people weren't taking it as seriously because that's not fair to them or to anyone else. But I just think they thought it might be a little bit easier when what we really found out pretty quickly was that, it's not. And we need to make sure that, you know, we're going to do a tech check. We're going to make sure that you look the best. We're going to make sure that you're framed properly. Uh, you know, you're making an impression on a lot of people and we want to make sure that your credibility is there. And um, if, if we're not doing our job there, then that's lost. So the reverse of what I think most people feel when we went into this is that uh, it probably doesn't require as much time. You know, we, we can get show up the day before, do X, Y, Z. The reality was we needed a whole separate session just to do tech checks, right? Because everyone's computer is different. They're, no one's on the same system. All these platforms are making you now default to when you plug in. So now you've got to change the mics to X, Y, Z or the, or the cameras. So that challenge is there. 
but it re just requires more time. So I think my my one thing, which is maybe little, but I, I think it's a big deal, is we want to make them look their best. And you know, that's that that that's the partnership, right? We want to look our best. We want to make you look your best. That lies on us. Jack made the comment earlier that we make it extremely complex in here to make it very easy for them. Well, this is all part of that, and the preparation is really the most important part where this all begins. So I, I'd like to see that that may be a standard that, you know, we can let people know this is going to require a little bit more time, but it's going to be awesome. And as some concluding thoughts, I, I think you brought up a good point there. Uh, you know, it's of course, every industry wants to feel well represented in their community person events, uh, whether that's a trade show or whether that is a conference, but, I think this is even more critical for the industries that you focus on of, of, uh, again, life sciences, pharmaceuticals and biotechnology, because those industries have such a responsibility to deliver on quality and on efficacy that um, often shapes strategies for care, for um, treatment of entire populations, right? And that's, I mean, that's a lot of weight to carry. And so the last thing you want is to then throw a trade show where you set up your product or you set up your, you know, booth for conversation with other professionals and you feel misrepresented or the whole industry comes off in a, an amateurish light, right? Bad news. So centering that sort of dedication to uh, connecting external communication with community building, but also with sort of a, a, an internal dedication to efficacy, to quality, and to understanding the weight of your industry. It seems like what y'all are doing, and it's really encouraging and exciting. And I'm looking forward to the thought leadership that's going to come from this podcast that continues to push those discussions forward. So I think on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap this introductory episode. We got a good hour of solid breakdown of the company of y'all's leadership styles and how that impacts uh, your work as a company. And then also some of the trends shaping live events today and how that shapes the discussions that are going to happen on the podcast moving forward. So thank you again to the three of you. It's really been a pleasure. Again, for our audience, we've been chatting with Brian Rivers, CEO. Steve Welch, Director of Creative Services, and Jack McDonald, Director of Corporate Strategy, all with Centrifuge Media. And uh, Brian, we'll end with you here. If folks want to find out more about some of the work that Centrifuge is doing in these industries, if they want to get in touch or they want to follow along with future thought leadership, how can they do so? Yeah, I think following on LinkedIn is, is a big one for us. We, we put a lot of information out on LinkedIn uh, that we like to share, uh, you know, best practices, things of that nature, and really kind of what's going on in the industry. And we obviously highlight a lot about ourselves, our personnel, uh, our, our, our CMI family, if you will, here, uh, and obviously the website's a wealth of knowledge. Steve and his team have done a great job, built a lot of stays, uh, case studies, things of that nature that they can get some additional information on. Both, both where we are today and where we've been right before and then where we're going in the future. So um, our website, centrifugemedia.com is a great, a great area for that. So yeah, uh, excited. Please, please visit us. And uh, we're excited to uh, do more of these in the future. Love it. Brian, Steve, Jack, thanks to the three of you. And we'll chat again soon. Plenty more to come. Appreciate thanks, it. Guys. Thanks a lot. 
And thank you, everyone, for listening to this very first episode of Centrifuge Media's podcast. If you like what you heard and saw and you want to make sure you don't miss out on a future thought leadership that's sure to guide important discussion in the live events industry, make sure that you're heading to our website, like Brian said, centrifugemedia.com. Again, centrifugemedia.com. And subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you don't miss those notifications on new drops. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on our next episode.